Coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, this is the podcast for educators by educators. This is the Connected Learning Podcast, where we help educators connect with great ideas while pushing the limits of creativity and innovation. Welcome and thanks for spending your time with us. I am Glenn Barnes, your host for today's podcast. This evening, uh, I'm joined by Laura Steinbrink, who works in the Plato School District. And uh, Laura, the only reason I know where Plato is, is I had a college roommate from Houston, Missouri. So um, that's that's my acclamation to Plato. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Laura is uh, the district webmaster, the district communications director, the district tech integration specialist, uh, English instructor and assistant softball coach on top of all of that. And so you, you, you wear many hats in this district. I do. I also teach Spanish and I'm the yearbook teacher and, um, you know, I sponsor some clubs. <laughs> so lots of hats. Lots of hats, uh, and 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 give give us just a snapshot of the the Plato School District, if you would. Okay, well, our students like to say that we are in the middle of nowhere, but <laughs> we're really the center of the United States population for just another year. <laughs> yeah, so we're technically in the middle of everywhere. I try to tell them that. That that is true. Uh, what was- <laughs> U.S. Geological Survey uh, determined that Plato was at the center of the U.S. population. Yes, and so we hold the crown for another year, and uh, my students aren't necessarily impressed, but we have a, a unique population in that we are on the what they call the back gate of Fort Leonard Wood. So we actually do get um, a, a good number of military students coming in from military families, and they bring in culture from all over that otherwise my farming community would not get. So I, I love that aspect, and I know it's rough on them when they have to move everywhere, but it does help us. And um, we also get a, surprisingly, except for last year, high number of foreign exchange students. Really? I'm not sure. Yes, it's so weird. I feel bad for them when they come from, like, say, Madrid, uh-huh. and they get plunked into Plato. Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but we do. Last year we didn't have any, but we usually, we've had four and five um, from different nations before. That's so cool. That's so cool. It is. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll start off as I always do. Um, what led you to become a teacher? How, how did you get involved in uh, education? <laughs> okay, now that's a funny story because I was raised by educators and I swore I would never be one. Yeah, I, I empathize <laughs> with that. Yes, so my dad was my history teacher in high school. My mom was my kindergarten teacher and my seventh grade language arts and science teacher. And I did not want to be an educator. One day in college, my dad looked at my majors and he's like, are you planning to live in a city? And I said, well, not necessarily. Because I was a writing major. I wanted to know, you know, like work for a magazine or something. And dad's like, hmm, you're going to get stuck in a city with that because there's 
you're going to be limited of where you live. And if you don't want to be limited, you should probably get an education degree. If you get an education degree in English, employers aren't going to care that it's an education degree in English. They're going to see that it's an English degree. Mm. Ned, he's right. So I switched. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, (laughs) one day I got plunked in front of a class because my husband was in Walmart management, Uh like the Tire Lube Express side. The, the automotive side and he got transferred several times. So I went from working at the, the university where I was going to what am I going to do for a job? But everywhere there's Walmart, there's a school. Yes. So I applied and I was hired in October. So I was the third. Can you believe that Spanish teacher they had had that year for my first year of teaching? Oh, <laughs> yeah so I took over in the and I nearly had a panic attack the night before I think I did hyperventilate I, what am I doing in front of kids I don't know what I'm doing I'd been trained but I didn't know what I was doing right. and then I take over because they're in midstream it's not even like I got to get a classroom ready I had to take over in October and I stood in front of that classroom and the minute the kids were in it I realized huh this is where I'm supposed to be. So been there ever since, not in that school. I've been in two States, five districts, but yeah. But over, over 20 years of experience later, now you, Mm -hmm. you, you can uh, probably mentor so many uh, teachers who, who are maybe experiencing that themselves. Yes. And I, and I have been a mentor teacher, but here's a funny fact. I, you know, I've, I'm going on my 24th year. I have never had a student teacher ever. Wow. (laughs) How funny is that? But it could be because I've never taught a subject. I've had six subjects. I've had six preps. I've had, you know, we were on a block schedule at one district. I've had I five is the fewest I've ever had. So that that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would think so. <laughs> so, so speaking of kind of this um, small school, small environment, you and I, uh, along with uh, so many other uh, teachers and educational leaders, uh, sat down last August, if I remember right, it was August. Um, and we started writing out, um, stories, uh, about our experiences at, um, in our, in our career, you know, things, things that we had experienced. And, um, the, these were all compiled into, uh, volumes of books. There were three volumes and, I ended up in volume two with my story and you ended up in volume three. And I went to the book release at filament, uh, just a couple months ago. And I was just enthralled with your story and, and your, your story centers on your small school, small town, uh, going through the process of hiring a principal, something that, I think, you know, districts, they they go through it every year, but the way that you guys did it really was pretty cool. I have to say, and the way, the way that you told the story as a safari, um, 
was, was great. So can speak, speak to that, that story, um, kind of walk us through what, what set that process apart from how so many other districts do it. Well, I tell you this, I've this, I've been in that district seven years now, and this, I've had four principals. It's not an uncommon thing, like you said. And because we're a small district in the center of the U.S., in the middle of nowhere, we have, and, and we have, when I say the middle of nowhere, we are 20 to 25 to 38 minutes from any Walmart town. Um, so we know that we're a stepping stone. That's kind of a given. Superintendents are usually on their way in or out when we get them. You know, it's where they can get their first start or their last, (laughs) you know, before they retire. And then we get, because, you know, and they don't normally live in our area. They drive in. Um, we, so we know that we know principals are the same way and we just lost a hometown boy. He, he went to Houston since you, since you mentioned Houston from the beginning and that was a tough thing. And he was beloved. He'd been a teacher there. Um, so we, the superintendent, she decided she wanted a committee, which I'd never got to be a part of before. And I was really excited and she gathered together the counselor, librarian, and uh, three, I think there were three of us teachers mm-hmm. and the secretary. This was a bold move. She brought in the secretary who would be working with that principal. Nobody ever thinks of the secretary. So I was very pleased that she got to have a voice as well. Absolutely. Right. And one teacher did say, uh, the librarian said, I'm just curious. Other people are wondering why they don't get to be on this committee. And the superintendent was very frank. She said, I'm looking for positive people who can help me figure this out uh, because it's not going to be easy. And I don't want to hear a lot of problems. I want to have people that can come up with solutions to problems, not problems for all my solutions. Mm -hmm. We were like, cool. So the problem is we started out other than having a committee. And I know lots of districts get a committee together and other teachers get to help interview. That's not necessarily new. New to Plato, not new in the educational scene. But um, where we differed is she, we were talking like, I think we, yeah, after all three interviews, um, or as actually the pre-interview, she put together a packet the superintendent did. We had a meeting before we had any interview. And she said, all right, listen, here's all the people. And we're looking at their resumes and um, one somebody mentioned, you know, they, they all look good on paper. Zero experience for any of them as an actual principal. So we know we're going to get somebody brand new. And how in the world are we going to figure out? Who, because I'm, I'm like, you know, anyone can sound good at an interview. Right. <laughs> anyone can look good on paper. How are we going to figure that out? And we had some of the interviews scheduled and as we were trying to figure out how in the world to go about that the superintendent's like well um what if actually the counselor started they both were at the same time my superintendent is really big on student voice so she and the counselor i couldn't actually swear to it who said it first but they were both leaning toward why don't we just ask the students to help 
okay, now nobody does that. So right. then right. we spent, I, we probably spent an hour, a whole other meeting figuring that out, but we wanted to have students. So how would we do that? Well, the counselor came up with the idea that why don't we have them give a tour, but let the candidate know ahead of time on that tour, they will ask you whatever questions they want. We will not prescript them and you will not know what they are either. You can ask them any questions about our district. So it's a two-way street. So they get to see the kids we think would be good for that job. Mm-hmm. And they could see the any part of the campus they wanted to see toured by the students, which it's not like it's a big campus, but you know, and then questions and the kids would not be supervised by another grown up, So they would answer, you know, their high school kids are going to tell you what they think. Exactly. And, and be honest about it. So we decided as a group that we should probably pick students that weren't related to anybody who was teaching or employed there. Right. Because <laughs> the counselor's son was the valedictorian, you know, <laughs> also related to me. So, so we were like, okay, so we had to rule that out. But we also wanted students who would speak their mind mm-hmm. because, you, could, you know, you've got a lot of good students to choose from, but a lot of them aren't going to talk to an adult or say what they're really thinking or maybe be brave enough to ask a question or maybe even a thoughtful question. And we wanted kids that would think about it. So we picked some juniors and seniors. They also had to be willing to stay after school and not be involved in a practice or be able to get out of the practice. Right. So that was kind of tough. But we did put together um, four students. I think it was just one boy that ended up showing up and three girls. But they did an amazing job. And it was so fun to meet right after an interview. So we interviewed with the first candidate and then when that interview ends, the secretary, superintendent secretary would bring in the next candidate and take the other one out and hand them over to the student. So we were kind of trading back and forth. That was very interesting because when we, we talked about the candidate, we all decided our opinion and then we brought the students in and then we debriefed them. And the, it was amazing the difference. We thought candidate one was way too soft and the students like nope way too mean Mm. which is interesting (laughs) that they can see that right off the bat right they're like "Mm -mm, that one will be too mean we don't want her or him you know and then the next one uh i thought would be too mean like Mm. i you know you want that principal who can keep order but build relationships so when I say mean that's just what I mean not the kind that's going to be friendly enough that the students are going to gravitate toward so so the one we thought would not be the one I thought would be too mean the kids are like nope a pushover how weird is that that is interesting (laughs) the perspective is totally different yeah it's completely opposite of what we thought and we were like okay now we don't know what to do well then a third candidate arrived and a fourth. So we did the same process, but we really couldn't decide. A couple of them came off really well. One of them came from a larger district that the superintendent also came from, and we kind of thought she might be leaning that direction. But she did a really good job of not saying, I want this candidate, and this is what you get. She was still listening to everything we said, but we still didn't think we had it good enough. Mm. And the kids were like, why can't we just have them come and everybody meet them? 
well, why couldn't they just come and everybody meet them? <laughs> we talked about that. The superintendent's like, well, let me call the lawyer and see. Because we wanted to do a job shadow right. with the current principal. Right. But you had some confidentiality things that might apply. Absolutely. Right. So we set it up with the lawyers. They signed whatever paperwork was deemed necessary. And they were principal for a day. Each of them had their own day. They got to sit in on meetings. They were to act as if they were part of the meeting, contribute if they saw fit. And they spent the whole day here. They could talk to students. Students could talk to them and the staff. Anyone on the staff who wanted to go talk to them could talk to them so that nobody felt left out. And then we did a school-wide, well, yeah, school-wide Google form for students and then one for staff to give their voice let their voice be heard on what they thought. And that, I tell you, was eye-opening. I had one junior storm into the classroom and slam her stuff down and say, if that person is the principal next year, I'm getting a different school. Wow. And I'm like, did that person talk to you? Or did you do <laughs> what's going on? Nope. Not like them. So just the persona, I don't even know how to explain it, but that kid just did not want to be in the same area as that person. Wow. So and they didn't even interact. That's, that's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. so the student voice really carried some weight in this situation that. Wanted to know what the students thought and took that into consideration. Now your school board's going to do what they're going to do. Right. Absolutely. But they. Right. So the funny thing is, after we hashed it all out, the student vote of their the student vote got to go as the same as the teacher vote. So like our committee and the student committee each sent a vote in. Wow. That that is so so unheard of uh, in in so so many districts. And and so let me let me ask this. How how did the, the candidates for a principal respond to that, uh, the, the students asking the questions, how did they respond to that whole, whole process? Well, they thought it was, um, now granted, I didn't talk to all of them. I have talked in depth to the one we hired. Yeah, absolutely. He, he thought that was pretty, he liked it because it gave him a good sense of what we thought was important in a student by just the ones we sent out with them that first time. And then that helped him get a sense of the overall student body. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I'm just thinking of, and you know, we've kind of alluded to this, you know, the hiring of a principal, it, it, it can be very political, you know, at, at times. And, oh yes. You know, I, I mean, I work in a large urban district and I can only imagine what it's like in a in a small rural district, the the, the politics that go into that. But to to hear the students actually being valued is, I think, one of the most amazing things. And, and it's it's something that I hope more districts and more more schools uh, value and look into. Yeah, and I when I taught when I asked my superintendent for a quote for the book, she mentioned that, you know, in education it's super easy to say yes, students need a voice and they need a choice. And it's easy to give it to them when it doesn't really matter. Right. 
But she's like, what if we give it to them when it really does matter? I mean, who's it going to affect more? Right. But really the students, because seriously, if I really have a bad problem with an administrator, I can leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm an adult. I can go work somewhere else. Kids can't do that. They're stuck wherever their families are. Yeah. So what, what did the district learn from this whole process? Um, I think that overall, everyone has really appreciated their voice being heard mm -hmm. because even the teachers, like, you know, of course, if you have a committee that's going to have an important voice and a decision, then suddenly everybody wants to be on that committee. Like nobody wants to be on, you know, just any committee, but suddenly it's going to be really important that everybody's if they're excluded. So voice and let me tell you the students who got to talk to that the, all the principals thought that was the best that ever happened um one of the kids on the committee that of the student committee said she was so relieved now that she saw how much really went into the hiring of a principal because she's like you know i just i guess i just thought you just whoever and now i feel relieved that you actually think about it and you guys take your time with it and it's actually a big deal so it really um, is so, so yeah that made them feel like they mattered that we actually took time so is this something that may be uh, extended for student voice, maybe into the hiring of teachers or, or is it just going to be really limited to the principals? How, how, how much further is this student voice going to uh, extend? Well, the two areas that we've really looked at, I don't, I don't see that it's ever going to be feasible for hiring teachers just because of when that occurs and how quickly we have to get that taken care of. Right. Um, and I, we actually had a teacher and leave at the, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, that position hasn't been filled yet, but it's summer. There's no kid that's going to want to come in and deal with that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so, but the two areas that the superintendent has been very diligent about besides the principal being one area right. um, is with the handbook and, and our principal that we hired is also good with that. They want the kids to talk to the board. So they show up at meetings, they present their side. If they want something change, these administrators work to get it done right then. We don't say, well, you know, you have to wait till next year or mm, the board's never going to go for that. They may not, but let the kids have the experience of preparing their arguments, talking in front of the board and trying to be persuasive so they can show their side of the story. And we've had some changes. Mm. That's, that's, that's so awesome. I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, attacking a, a real relevant situation for the students and, um, them them feeling empowered and so so i guess how do we how do we get more schools to empower their students as opposed to just being focused on the compliance part you know you know and it would be so easy it's just a mindset you just got to turn that it'll be okay switch on and just let it, i mean what you can't obviously control your school board, right. so you're going to be safe <laughs> as far as that goes, but let the kids have a shot at it. Yeah. Let them talk to the principal. Let them meet them. Let them give them a tour. Um, I don't, 
I, I don't, I, there were no negatives to that situation. And even one of the candidates that didn't get hired, I saw her at a conference in January and she was super friendly and still, she enjoyed the experience. So, I mean, there's no negative for the candidate either. Yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting to see if like maybe those other candidates down the line, uh, maybe bring that to the, a, a school that maybe they get hired to. I, I would be, yes. I'd be curious to see if, if the ripple from Plato uh, extends out. So, yeah, because it was such a powerful experience. All I can say is to any superintendents listening or districts, try it. Hmm. Just try it. Great. Why not? That's my advice. Why not? Great advice. So I want to I want to pivot for a second back to okay. um, uh, rural education, and one of the things that I think has uh, really made you stand out, um, and I and I've I've come to know you more through the Twitter sphere than anything, is uh, you have such a vast PLN um, online that uh, how how did that how did that happen and then why why is that um so important for you because i am in a small district and i have been even the district i taught in in texas was small Mm -hmm. so all already just because i was in two states and five districts i've gotten a lot of exposure to educational practices that say most teachers don't get mm-hmm. right? right so and i have returned to the district where i graduated from wow. so yeah there's a um a friend of mine elizabeth merce on twitter mm-hmm. and voxer and she calls it in her district because she lives by a big naval base too she's at virginia beach okay. so she so she calls it the from here's and the come here's and we have that culture. We have that culture at Plato too. The from here's and the come here's. Right. So, so I am a come here and a from. So I have a unique experience, which um, my superintendent thinks helps me out a lot. Anyway, but on Twitter especially because, um, well, one, I'm old, so I, I don't care to jump right in to a Twitter chat the first time I'm in one. Right. You know, I'm I'm not really a lurker. I'm a dive in and see how it goes kind of person. <laughs> so my very first Twitter chat was uh, make it real with Dennis Sheeran. Yes. And uh, it, it, you know, it's not overly populated. It's not super huge. So it's big enough. You get the experience, but not so over big, like too, so big you drown. Right. Um, Cause some of them are really big and there's lots of people in them. Yes. So I got to know a few people there and we formed a blogging group on Voxer. And I did a book study. That's really funny. One of Dennis's Twitter chats, a lady was wanting to try Voxer and do a book study. And I was already in Voxer in this blogging group where we met on Dennis's chat. And I said, well, you know, it's not that hard. I've been in one. You can do it, blah, blah, blah. I was trying to give her some help. And the next thing I know, I'm leading it. I've never done that before. Dennis is like, it's not a big deal. I've got questions at the end of every chapter. And he was in the chat too. So the, yeah, somehow I led my first Foxer book study without uh, meaning to, but that's how you connect with people. Um, I get to know them on Twitter. And then when I connect on Voxer, we can exchange voices. And when you can hear voice and the passion in their voice, 
the tone of their voice that makes all the difference. Absolutely. So uh, you uh, recently, I would say, or with within recent times, you've also uh, participated with uh, Ditch That Textbook with Matt Miller, uh, Teach Like a Pirate yes. with Dave Burgess, uh, yes. four, four O'Clock Faculty with Rich uh, Chiz. What, yes. what are some of the best lessons for somebody who maybe is not familiar with those uh, groups? What are some of the best lessons that they could pull from those groups? Um, if you want to know how to best leverage technology for optimizing student learning, you cannot go wrong with the ditch book community. Um, Matt Miller does some amazing things and he's not a paperless pedagogical kind of person. Um, sometimes paper is what you need. So don't be afraid by, Oh, it's ditch that textbook. So it's only tech stuff. No, <laughs> it's not how we work. No, but, not at all. Um, it's, it's, it's that I've, shared with, I, I've shared it with my own teachers. So I, I love yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. And just don't be afraid to get in there and ask questions to, with any Twitter chat or group and all the, all the, I have to say all the Burgess, Dave Burgess publishing authors are just so wonderful. They are wonderful as people in person and they are wonderful online. They will help you out. They are just giving. Yes. So don't be afraid to get in there. I, I couldn't agree more. I've um, reached out to George Koros uh, a couple times. And uh, uh, lately I've been reading uh, Relentless by Hamish Brewer. I mean, there's oh, so, me so many great resources out there. And uh, Teach Like a Pirate is probably one of my favorite. But again, between uh, Teach Like a Pirate, Ditch, and Four O'Clock Faculty, I mean, those are three of my, my absolute favorites as well. So I, I, yes, I yes. with you 100%. Um, yeah, my, my two ed, educational Bibles are innovators mindset and teach like a pirate. I was actually a ditch booker way before I knew that was a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm, um, an edu sister to Matt Miller because we do some awesome fun stuff together. So I can't wait. I haven't even met him in real life yet, but we've done a lot of things together. So that, that, all that, online. that to me is, is, is the greatest thing about what we do in, in education. I mean, um, you know, me working in St. Louis, you in Plato, um, Matt's out in what, Indiana, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Dave is in, uh, San Diego, California, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're able to, to network and support one another with, uh, ideas and, uh, questions and, and share, share our stories. And that's, that's yes. one of the things that I, I love, uh, being able to do, especially on this platform is share out stories. So, um, yes. as you get closer to, um, maybe retirement and hanging up, uh, your, your, your teaching career and just enjoying life. What, what do you want your legacy to be? That I helped students and teachers open doors. They didn't know they wanted to walk through. Mm. That is my goal. I don't want them to ever feel like I can't do something because you can and you never know when you might want to. So be open to those possibilities to continue to learn about things. 
powerful, powerful. And I couldn't agree with you more. Laura, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us. Uh, if you'd like to um, uh, contact Laura, she's on Twitter. Um, and also, you, you want to mention your blog, Rocking the Boat? Yeah, it's a top 200 feet spot blog somehow. So yay for that. You can catch yay. me there at rockintheboat.com. Um, rock in as in the letter N, not I N, because that was something else. So rockintheboat.com. And you can email me that way too, because it comes directly to me. So that would be awesome. I'm also on Instagram and Voxer. My handle is the same as Twitter, at SteinbrinkLaura. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Be sure to check out the Connected Learning website for upcoming events and opportunities to learn and connect with us. See you next time.